0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast that is presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Tuesday edition of the show, fresh off our release yesterday of the draft And it's been so fun and awesome to hear all the incredible feedback that you've had. And we've been wanting to show off this project for a while now. So it's, it's great to hear that everyone's enjoying it and there's a ton left for us to still unveil here in the coming weeks. Kyle, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks Joe. That intro has got a nice ring to it and, uh, so, too, do our voices, <laughs> thanks yeah. to some technical upgrades that the folks are noticing, and we thank you for noticing, because we felt really good about these uh, steps forward, as we step forward in our professional careers with the Draft Network, wanted to make sure we uh, we were properly prepared. And sounds like you folks agree that the uh, the audio quality of this podcast, the arrow's pointing up. And we feel great about that.
0: Yes, to production, uh, great job, Kyle, with uh, putting this all together and we've got some better e- equipment and so very excited about all those that let us know that they appreciated the improved sound quality of the podcast and you can expect that to be the norm moving forward. Kyle, we, we had some good news here recently and well, a little bit of news I'm pretty excited about. The Buffalo Bills acquired former 2016 first-round pick from the Cleveland Browns Corey Coleman for, well, let's call it just a a bag of stale peanuts, a conditional seventh-round pick in 2020. And now, look, I am far from a Corey Coleman enthusiast. He's not a player I was particularly high on coming out. I think I had like a fifth-round grade on him, and he's not a player that's given anyone any reason to be optimistic about him yet in the NFL. But he's still 24 years old. He's still a tremendous athlete. He's had some production when he had, uh, you know, Josh McCown throwing him the football compared to, you know, the Cody Kesslers and the uh, RG3s and the Deshaun Kaisers. So uh, for a Buffalo receiving core that had Kelvin Benjamin and well, nothing else, it's good to see at least uh, somebody with some talent, a guy that could possibly separate from man coverage in the fray for what is a very, very minimal uh, uh, cost. You hear that? I did.
1: I'm old enough to remember when Corey Coleman was wide receiver one. Are you?
0: I I am. Yes, I am.
1: It's uh, this is something I did take some time before the draw the the launch yesterday of the draft network to write up as this breaking news came out on Sunday night uh, to talk about the importance of being a good football player is tenfold versus the importance of being a great athlete regardless of your position. Uh, ironically enough, one of the receivers that Cleveland brought in, Jarvis Landry, is a great illustration of that. Jarvis is a technician, one of the worst combine performances you will ever see. Corey Coleman ran under four four, jumped 40 inches in the vertical jump, uh, but he's had hamstring issues in all three of his NFL seasons and two broken hands. And he did not know how to play wide receiver when he came into the league. So, uh, it's not a very promising uh, kind of syllabus for success if you really stop and think about it. And uh, it was something that I profiled for the Draft Network talking about just, you know, don't let yourself get honeypotted by splash plays. And it felt like that's what happened with the Browns.
0: So, yeah, it seems like everyone's talking about the Browns angle here and and Corey Coleman and and that he was just the next one. I mean, they've had all these first-round picks over the last 8, 10 years, and literally, like, none of them are still on the team. And so there's a lot lot of the analysis right now is is centered around that. And, and look, I think the Bills did a really good thing here to try to get some weapons in play here for very minimal cost. And so, obviously, as a Bills fan, that's something that really stands out to me. We'll see how he does. Uh, Kyle, a couple more little nuggets here on the news side of things. Arizona Cardinals starting center A.Q. Shipley. He started every game over the last two seasons for the Cardinals. is out for the year with a torn ACL. We've talked a lot about that Cardinals offensive line on the podcast so far, and this is not good news. Not that A.Q. Shipley is a, a great center, but he's a reliable center that uh, has been able to man that position for a couple of seasons, and now the the attention's turned, in my opinion, immediately to Mason Cole to see if he can step in and take that job. And so I know he has some upside. He's a guy that I think both of you and I had middle round grades on like third, fourth round uh, that uh, we thought could be an eventual starter, but eventually is now probably for Mason Cole.
1: Yeah. Cole's going to have to step in there. And um, I think this is actually kind of an, in an ironic twist. It's a good change of plans for Cole. uh, If they were going to try and, Just get him into the starting lineup and have him play at guard. You know, he bounced around all in college. He was tackled, and he was guard, and and then he was center, and moving all around, and, you know, get him at his best spot, which is probably center, given his functional strength uh, not being one of his strongest skill sets, and his lack of length and, and ability to work on the edge as a pass protector, which he played last year, left tackle for Michigan putting him at center and letting him just really get the cadence down on the snaps and really perfect that technique and, you know, knock the rust off. I think it's a good thing for Mason Cole, even if it is a tough break for AQ Shipley.
0: Yeah. And it, so it, we'll see how they bounce back. This is the NFL. There's injuries and that's something they're going to have to deal with here. Uh, Kyle, the last little bit of news nugget that I wanted to bring to the table was the Atlanta Falcons handed out another contract extension this time to Ricardo Allen They're starting free safety. He gets three years, $19.5 million from the Atlanta Falcons. Certainly not a star football player, but he's a guy that is really fit on Dan Quinn's defense there and fills in a very important role for them, uh, working opposite of Keanu Neal, who's that downhill type of guy that's going to play into the line of scrimmage and play in the box. And, line up against the big tight ends and now they have ricardo allen in, in the fray for the next three years at least as as the center fielder over the top guy he's he's been a fixture there for the last three seasons basically starting at least 14 games in every one of them again not a star football player but a reliable football player and one that fits he gets a modest deal to uh, continue to play for the falcons
1: yeah i like atlanta's back end pretty pretty well you know keanu neal they definitely play him to his strengths which is really important for a player like them who was not the most universal player coming out. Ricardo Allen having ball skills to be the guy that plays across from him. You know, the cornerbacks that they have there were Trufant is good, and uh, Brian Poole's look promising. So, I mean, they, they've done a nice job over the course of the last several years uh, really kind of opening up the talent on the, on the back end to tailor to the way and style Dan Quinn wants to play. And as we talked about yesterday with the Philadelphia Eagles, that synchrony in player evaluation is key to success. And that's why we've seen the
0: Falcons be a pretty competitive football team over the last several years. Kyle, you ready to uh, talk about some more of our summer flings? Yes. Linebacker edition today? Yes, the
1: tough guys. The, uh, what do they call them, train dogs, right? It's just uh, like sea ball, <laughs> chase ball kind of thing. Uh, listen, I got two guys that I was giving consideration to For this segment, but I wanted to go with the path less traveled. I've talked about Patty Fisher before. I want to talk about Ohio State linebacker, Tuff Borland, number 32. Uh, Is that a real name? Yeah, Tuff, T-U-L.
0: First-round grade automatically Mm -hmm. with that. Come on, man. I know. 6'1",
1: 230, um, redshirt sophomore. He had an Achilles injury over the spring. But he is on track to not miss any playing time, and he averaged seven and a half tackles over the team's last five games, which included games against uh, Michigan State, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, and then USC. So he really turned it on as a redshirt redshirt freshman at the end of last year, now coming into his first draft-eligible season. Hopefully the health thing resolves itself before we get into uh, the start of the season. But tough, yes, T-U-F, tough, uh, is tough. I really like his trust of keys when he's looking down the barrel of the interiors playing Mike Linebacker and he sees that guard step down, he steps forward. He's not one of these linebackers that is going to catch a blocker on the second level or catch the running back on the wrong side of the line of scrimmage. This is a guy that will play forward, and that ability to play forward I think is what, when pairing with his athletic ability and his range as a tackler, gives him a ton of great potential to be an impact player. And he has enough ability to get off the of blocks that he's not completely negated. He's not a true space linebacker. Uh, he does rely on his anticipation to beat blockers much more than being able to press and stack like you would see from a Patty Fisher from Northwestern. But uh, and I really like the range, the the reading of the keys And the discipline as far as scraping along with running backs to kind of stay in that hip pocket. And you saw him really turn it on at the end of last year, and I'm hoping we get to see him back on the field because that starting job in the middle is his if he's healthy. And I think people are going to really notice number 32 on the Buckeyes.
0: Kyle, uh, I want to talk about arguably the best defensive playmaker in the ACC right now, maybe Joe Giles-Harris, linebacker from Duke. Probably didn't expect me to say that when I talked about defensive playmakers in the ACC, but uh, this guy can play. He's a 6'2", 240, um, redshirt junior, and um, he was the team MVP last year, first team all-ACC player, and uh, he's, he's had a lot of production over the last two seasons, 232 tackles, 25 and a half for loss, seven and a half sacks, six pass breakups, two interceptions. And, um, you know, I already mentioned, he's got that good frame six-two-two forty, 40, but he's got a lot of range for his size and really like his processing skills and how he pursues. He takes good angles in pursuit. He's a very high urgent football player. And, and you can, you know, you got, you got that dog in the linebacker. You got to have a guy that is is willing to uh, play fast and play physical. And you get that from Giles Harris. Um, I like him in coverage, Kyle. He's a guy that uh, I can trust him in both man and zone coverage. You can line him up over a tight end or a running back and he can carry them into space. But also he really does a good job of reading the uh, the backfield and working into throwing lanes very well in zone. So uh, I love that he's a player that can help me on every single down. And um, he's got a lot of length for his, his size, kind of like what we talked about with uh, Tremaine Edmonds last year, just a guy that he can stick his arms out and, and just really impact throwing lanes. Uh, you know, when he sees it. And so you get that from Joe Giles Harris as well. And, you know, my, my concern with him right now is just, I want him to be just a little bit more consistent, trusting his keys and going, you know, I like my linebackers to see it and go. And there's just times where he's just, you're like his trigger, his trigger is just a little slow. So I want to see that speed up just a touch this, this year. And then, uh, also want to see him play through contact a little bit more consistently. Like you mentioned with your linebacker, he relies on his ability to get ahead of blocks, to beat him a lot of times. And, you know, I want to see him stack and shed with a little bit more consistency, especially for his size. We're not talking about, you know, a little 220-pound pursuit-style backer. This is a guy that I need to be able to play into the line of scrimmage based on where I think he fits at the next level. So a couple of things to work on here in this coming season. But uh, when you're talking about defensive playmakers in the ACC, Joe Giles-Harris is definitely at the top of that conversation.
1: That's a name I'm looking forward to to watching because that's not the first time I've heard that name from you. And now that we're off and running with the draft network and we are going to have the opportunity to branch out outside of our designated conferences that we've been boxed in here he's he sounds really he sounds like my kind of player defensively is that a vibe that you've gotten watching him thinking like oh yeah Yeah, Kyle's gonna like him
0: yeah you know what i've that's backfired my on me in the past not with you sometimes but also with other guys like i think you're gonna like this player and then they don't so uh, you know i think you're gonna like this player and i'm anxious to hear your feedback um but i'm a little shy when it comes to that, that type of stuff, because then you have this expectation going into the watch.
1: That's the best thing about what we do, though, is we we play off of each other in that regard. Yeah. Oh right? yeah. Like yeah, we're we're not afraid to just fall in line.
0: I'm going to tell you if I think the
1: guy sucks. I know, you,
0: I know you want. I think you're going to like Joe Giles Harris. I think you are. Let's let's
1: go, Joe. Let's go with takes on takes too. Yes,
0: the best. This is, is the best be- thing we do every week, Kyle. I think takes on takes.
1: So I want to, I wanted to tackle this one from Logan first, uh, Logan lamb, 61 on Twitter two hours ago, told me that Nebraska will have more players drafted than any other school in the big 10 West this year. And to that, I say, good, sir. You wild because Wisconsin (laughs) is loaded this year. Got a lot of junior talent at wide receiver. They got a lot of junior talent on on that offensive line, underclassman talent, um, Alex Hornibrook, God bless him, is going to come out. I don't think he's going to get drafted, but we've seen some pretty crazy quarterbacks get drafted.
0: I I know nothing. I know know nothing.
1: Etling, Lee are draft picks. I know nothing. (laughs) So uh, defensively, they got two linebackers and uh, TJ Edwards and Ryan Connolly and. Uh, They got Olive up front, the nose tackle, and Andrew Van Ginkle, who was a promising player down the stretch in the last few games Wisconsin played last year, and Dakota Dixon in the secondary. So uh, Nebraska's got probably the best player in Stanley Morgan Jr., but um, I'm not buying what you're selling, Logan, if you're telling me Nebraska's going to have more guys drafted this year than Wisconsin. I have no comment. Okay, yeah, yeah. here's one from uh, Steve Smith. Not that Steve Smith. Oh, ice up, son. Steve Smith, SMU Sooner, told you, me, and the Draft Network on Twitter, the Browns will win at least eight games this year with a gift that says, trust me, I did the math. So, Joe, what I've done is I've actually pulled up the Browns schedule here, and I want you to tell me win or loss. Okay. Home against Pittsburgh. Loss. All right, so we're looking for eight wins here. At New Orleans. Loss. Home against the Jets. Win. We got one. Rejoice Cleveland. At Oakland. Loss. Home against Baltimore. Win. Win? <laughs> Win. Yep. Okay. Joe, you must still have Joe Flacco starting.
0: No, just Tyrod Taylor playing mistake free, and I think they got more offensive firepower. Home against the Chargers, loss.
1: At Tampa Bay,
0: loss because it's on the road.
1: At Pittsburgh, loss. Home against Kansas City, loss. Home against Atlanta, loss. At Cincinnati, loss. At Houston, loss. Home against Carolina. Loss
0: oh, at Denver. Great. Loss. It's on the road.
1: Home against Cincinnati. Win. I knew you were going to give him that one. At Baltimore.
0: Oh no! Did I just pick three and thirteen for the Cleveland you did Browns? Three and thirteen. <laughs> if there's a silver <laughs> line, if there's a silver lining, I know Tyrod Taylor better than anybody. Tyrod Taylor, Taylor will play mistake-free football, and you will have a good defense, and that's a winning formula to get to six, seven, eight wins. But for me, for my money. I don't know. I, I didn't like the way that stacked up.
1: I I see the potential for six or seven wins here. I'm not sure they get eight this year, but there's there's potential here. I mean, so we're I think they can. The under. S- uh, probably, yeah.
0: Uh, okay, I've got one now, Kyle. I'm going to do this. Uh, Andrew A- Andrew Moss uh, on Twitter at NFL Scout Tampa says, despite the addition of Connor, Kyle still has the best hair on the team. And yeah, let me tell you, that's not true. Kyle does not have the best hair on the team. He's probably he's third. He's third. Uh, Connor's one. Yeah, Connor's one. Trevor. It's tough. To, to not anymore. One. It you might. Not it's anymore. a two A two B, and that, that's just because nobody else has anything to bring to the table in terms of hair. Me, Sad. Ledger. Are you kidding me? Uh, Solak. I, I don't even know what he's doing with his hair half the time. Uh, uh, Kyle, your hair. Look, I'll be honest about your hair. It's the what you got going there on the top and what you can get that to do and the length is 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 very nice. But you know, I, I look I, is are you is it exceptional hair? Is this brag brag worthy hair? I don't know. I don't know. I think it might be overrated. I'm being honest.
1: I think I'll be honest with you. I think a couple of years ago it would have been better. But um <laughs> Here we are, so we got to we got to deal with work with what we're we're dealt. So here we are. Kyle's and pushing uh, thirty,
0: and that's one party I want to be at. Oh jeez, oh boy. When is that? Two um,
1: One year? One year? Okay. Yeah. Uh, friendly, angry black guy. Oh, NSA, NSA uh, Hebron on Twitter said, "Carry on Johnson will have a better rookie season than Saquon Barkley." I thought this one was interesting, Joe, because it kind of meets at the intersection of opportunity versus skill, right? There's no question Saquon Barkley is a more physically gifted running back. And he should theoretically get the carries for the Giants. And on Johnson, you would think, is going to be a little bit more of a supplemental because Matt Stafford and how often the Lions have relied on the pass, but it at least made me stop and think. I still think it's Saquon, but I at least, and this is moving in the right direction for Detroit. I had to stop and think about it before I said no for Saquon.
0: Kyle, I'm excited about this one. We've been given the question or comment from Matt Hurd. He says the Bills won't win more than four games this year, and so you're, what you're about to do is what I just did for the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to give you this schedule, and you you show Let's me go. those four wins. So this is an un well, uh, this is a non Bills fans perspective of the Buffalo Bills in 2018. We start off Week One at the Ravens.
1: Uh, loss. It's revenge for oh. the uh, the way the playoffs shook out oh, last we're, year.
0: We're very thankful for that. Okay, so Chargers at, uh, home against the Chargers. No, that's a loss at Vikings. That's a loss. At Packers. That's a loss. Home against Tennessee. That's a loss. Buffalo's 0-5 This st- is that yeah, that's 0-5 to start the season. Yeah. Okay. At that's Texans. Not great. At Texans.
1: As long as Deshaun Watson's playing, it's a loss.
0: Okay, 0 6. Uh at the Colts. That's a win. Oh. They get that one. Okay. One and six. Uh <laughs> home against Patriots. That's a loss. Okay. Uh, Bears. Bears at home.
1: In Buffalo? In Buffalo.
0: <sighs> That's a loss. Wow. That was one. Okay, okay. fine. Uh, at the Jets.
1: Uh, I'm going to give them the win when they're home against the Jets. So I'll have them take the loss at the Jets.
0: Buffalo is one and nine starting the season, going into their bye week. Okay, uh, coming out of the bye, vault me,
1: vault me, baby.
0: <laughs> Jaguars at the Bills playing the Jaguars no, in Buffalo. That,
1: that's not ideal, Joe. Are
0: we one in ten or not, Kyle?
1: Yeah, yeah, you are. All
0: right, now we now we go at Miami.
1: What's the date? December, early December second. Yeah, you guys are going to be used to the cold. That's a loss.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Home against the Jets. This is a win. This is the second this win of the a year. Win. Okay, this is a win. Yes. Home against Detroit at B- above The Lions in Buffalo. That's a loss. Jesus, man. uh At the Patriots. That's a loss. And then the finale against the Dolphins in Buffalo.
1: That that would be quintessential. A Bills to win and cost themselves some draft positioning, and B quintessential Dolphins to lose a week 17 game against a shit Buffalo team. So Buffalo is going to win that football game.
0: Three and 13. Okay. So the, Three and 13. the, the uh, I guess you don't agree with that. They're not going to get to four wins. I think the one game that I was like, Kyle, yeah, I don't know about that. Well, it says the,
1: the Bills won't, won't win more oh, so, than four games. So that's a year. good
0: take. You say that's a good take. Yeah. I, I do
1: say that. Okay. That's
0: I good. think the Bills could beat the bears. That, that was the only one that I really had beef with, with you on.
1: Okay, sorry. uh, Alexa's yelling at me over here. I don't know if you heard that. Alexa off. She's freaking out at me. I don't know what she heard. Jeez. I'll tell you, you know, Skynet's about to take off at any point now, and I'm not here for it. Speaking of the Bears, Joe, Christian Campbell, 2C underscore Christian, says Anthony Miller will be a stud out of the gate for the Bears. You know I had to bring this up because we are both very pro-Anthony Miller accounts, And uh, we've seen some of the videos and we've read all the headlines out of Chicago where it sounds like uh, Mitchell is really starting to establish some chemistry with Anthony Miller. So I'm going to say that's a good take by Christian. It was always a question of the targets, but it sounds like he really likes Anthony Miller, which means Mitch has great taste just like I do, which is so good for my brand. So give me Anthony Miller red hot out the gate uh, in 2018.
0: Kyle, I've lost my list, so take another one, please.
1: Boy, your producer's really (laughs) letting it slip. Struggling.
0: He's struggling over here.
1: Uh, Camden Elliott, um, Cam Elliott underscore 90 says, uh, I guess this is a hot take. The Cowboys aren't a snobby fan base or
0: team, just the owner. Can I have your reaction to that? Yes, you you absolutely can. Um, I will say this. We, We interact with fans from every single fan base, and there is something different about these Dallas Cowboys fans. Um, Their homers is deep as you can be. Fan goggles are always on, um, but I don't. I don't think the owner has anything to do with that. I just think there's something about the demeanor and nature that comes with being a Dallas Cowboys fan. And I'm not saying all of them. John Owning. John Owning is the exception. But there is there's something different about them, and I don't think it has anything to do with Jerry Jones. It's just. The, the congregation of people that are Dallas Cowboys fans, they're just different.
1: I think deference, the best way to put it, um, you get some real self-loathing Cowboy fans too, which surprises me. It's like, you guys should be like thumping your chest. You're America's team. No, these guys are, you know, I I've seen all kinds of Cowboys fans. I'll say their, their fan base is very diverse. Uh, you get the highest of highs, the lowest of lows. The vast majority of them are great people. Dallas, please don't hate us. You know we're not hating on you guys. Just maybe ten percent of you. Final uh, take for a take, Joe.
0: Final take for a take, Kyle. Um, okay, yeah, I want to take this one here uh, from Travis. He says Mark Gilbert is the best pure cover man, or excuse me, Mark Gilbert is the best pure corner. Excuse me, Mark Gilbert is the best pure man corner. In the 2019 class, go to draftnetwork.com because I did a feature piece on Mark Gilbert today which analyzed his strengths and weaknesses and some interesting things about his background. But I will say that I don't agree with that at all. Uh, I like Mark Gilbert. I think he's a technician. I think he's incredibly smart. Um, I think he has tremendous ball skills. But in terms of his athleticism, I think that's where he fails a bit. I don't think he's a really bad athlete, but I don't think he has that top flight athleticism to be a guy that's just going to be sticky all the time and always be in phase. You know, he really relies on his route anticipation skills and and his uh, understanding of uh, of route combinations and where to be. He's, he's just always where he's supposed to be. So, you know, if you, you get him against a, a big time, Receiver like Amon Richards, that'll be a game that I'm very interested in seeing how he does there. Kelvin Harmon, these guys that really know how to sell their route fakes and get open. I, I you know, I just don't think he's going to be a guy that's compared to like a guy like Levanta Taylor or Greedy Williams or some of those big name corners. I don't think he's in that tier, and I think it stems from just I'm not sure he's that type of athlete in terms of foot speed, uh, fluidity in the hips, and, and just recovery ability. So I like him. I think he has a place. I think he's a tremendous technician. But man, that's that's rich. That's awfully rich for me when it comes to Mark Gilbert.
1: You know what else is rich, Joe? What you got? People get three more episodes of this this week. That's beautiful. It is. You beautiful. know what else is rich? We're now just three days away from our latest reuniting of the minds. You're coming to <laughs> Philly, and I can't wait. Just like I can't wait to get back on the horn test out these new microphones and continue recording great hashtag content for the Draft Network and the Locked On Network. So we'd like to thank them for the platform that we have here on Draft Dudes. We'd like to cordially invite you to swing over to the DraftNetwork.com. Check it out. We have a ton of stuff I put up Big film breakdown on Brian Lewerke up yesterday. My first Duds and duds column came up. Joe's uh, six pack Thursday returns. One of his popular columns from NDT scouting that will be back on Thursday. Yes.
0: Yes. True. Six pack Thursday. will continue.
1: And, uh, make sure you're following along with us on social media as well. Uh, Draft Network LLC is where you can find kind of the the Rolodex of articles as we're posting them. Uh, you can find uh, myself at Grinding the Tape Joe is at the Joe Marino. Thanks for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. We will catch up with you all again
0: tomorrow.